Hey everybody, welcome back to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast that focuses on topics related to English language learners and how we can make a greater impact. Highest Aspirations is brought to you by Elevation Education, your partner for ELL program management and instruction. I'm your host, Steve Sophronis. This episode is part of our special Reimagining Education series. To help visualize what the future might look like for English learners, their teachers, families, and communities, we are bringing together the people who are working to ensure that students have every opportunity to achieve their highest aspirations, despite these unprecedented challenges. We'll bring in EL leaders from around the country to discuss what they are planning for when schools reopen, how they plan on mitigating learning loss, how they are restructuring educator roles and resources under possible budget constraints, and much more. As always, we are committed to keeping you informed and inspired with resources to help you support your English learners. If you'd like to find more information or contribute to the series, check out our distance learning page at distance.elevation.com. Remember that Elevation has two L's. We'll be releasing new episodes as we record them, so new information will always be available. As always, thanks for listening, stay safe, and take care of each other. Lori Villanueva, thank you so much for joining us on Highest Aspirations. Hi, thank you, Steve. I'm very glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation. I could not invite you after I saw that amazing video that you all created, which I want to get into in a little bit. But, um, but first, uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? What's your role um, and where uh, are you working? Sure. My name is Lori Villanueva, and my role is Superintendent of Kalinga Huron Unified School District. And we are in Central California in Western Fresno County. That's great. We've had the pleasure of speaking with a couple districts from that uh, that area, which is a really sort of interesting uh, demographic in terms of the students that you serve. And I think in many ways, um, really, really important region to speak with because of some of the challenges that you all are facing that are reflected in some ways around the country. Mm-hmm. True. So, so I talked a little bit about that video. I mentioned it, um, and I'm going to link it because it's, it's pretty amazing. It's on YouTube. But um, I learned about this video um, that your district created, um, and it, it featured a lot of different members of your school community. You basically, I'm not going to give a whole lot away. I want people to actually watch it. But there, you were singing a song that is pretty well known um, for students and their families, um, and you kind of adapted the words and, and made it personal. So t- tell us a little bit about how that idea came about um, and, and the impact that it's had. Well, I have an absolutely outstanding drama and vocal department at our high school. And we had been kind of talking about culture and what are we going to do? And then all of a sudden one day I'm going through emails and it just popped up and it said, what do you think about doing this? And of course I absolutely loved it. And when our teacher, his name is Tom Lucero, put out the call, he wrote the words, he sent out an audio file he sent it out district-wide. So something that's unique in this video, it's not just teachers, it's administrators, teachers, classified staff. I mean, you name it, every group in our district is represented in that video. And that made it all the more special. Yeah, it's great. And obviously it's having an impact beyond your school district. You have people, I mean, I'm, I'm in New Hampshire, uh, you know, coming from my home office here and I'm listening to it and watching it. I'm sure there are others um, as well. What, what has the reaction been um, for students or families that you've seen either virtually or in person? I know you're delivering food and things like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolute great response. And it's funny because when I go out to help deliver meals, and little kids will run up to me and they'll be like, you're the lady singing on the video. And I saw my teacher and they're so excited because it means they're watching it. It means we've connected with them where they are in their homes. 
And the public, the community, the city, I mean, even the city manager called me to say how helpful and awesome it was for the community to see the schools reaching out because it affects everyone, like not just the schools. And it really, I think, touches everyone's hearts. So every bit of response I've gotten has just been how wonderful it is and when is the next one coming? That's great. And I just say, I'll just take a step back. I think it's also great that you're leveraging, you know, you said your wonderful theater and arts department. I mean, it's times like these when people can't get out and see music and theater and, but that you can bring this right to their homes and, and also have a really special message. I think that's amazing. Absolutely. And you saw in the video, there's a part where you see a, a teacher parade going on and we actually arranged simultaneous teacher parades in both cities where we just went around and, you know, waved at kids, everybody, of course, staying in their car, physical distancing, but there was kids out there with their signs up, you know, we miss you, we miss school. And so, you know, not only is it good for our students, but it's good for our families and our teachers as well to be involved in what's going on. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So let's shift gears a little bit. I, I, I like I said, we'll link to that, um, to that video in the show notes if anybody wants to, uh, to find those. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm curious about, um, as we kind of start to get into thinking about the future um, and what it's going to look like, and you're obviously at the superintendent level, you, you must be thinking uh, uh, about, I can't even imagine what's on your mind about what's kind of coming up. Um, I'd love to kind of get a glimpse of that, but I'd like to start a little bit with the present. So are you, what are you experiencing right now? We're in week seven, I think, um, of the school closures. And, and what might be different than kind of what you're seeing portrayed either in print or social or, uh, or video media? I'd say what's different is maybe, you know, there's all this talk out there about what students are getting like from city to city and, and, and this city's doing this and that city's doing that. So I, I think it's interesting that, you know, districts have had to adapt very quickly in ways that work for them and their clientele, socioeconomic status, all those pieces. And so it's interesting when I hear, you know, certain school districts where, you know, teachers are at their desks, you know, seven hours a day and they're doing this and they're doing that. And I'm thinking, wow, that's kind of crazy because we're not asking teachers to do that. We're asking them really to focus time on creating good content, putting that content out, but also connecting with teachers or with their students. And so it's kind of interesting to hear what other districts are doing because it makes you kind of sit and think like, wow, that, how, is, how is that working? When are they having time to do these other pieces? Um, same thing like with health. So we have been relatively insulated around here. Um, there are only about eight known cases in one of my two cities and four or less in my other. Mm -hmm. And so we don't see masses of sick people. And so our efforts have been on really trying to get people to stay in so that it doesn't come here. So it's hard for people to see that there is illness and sickness out there because right. it really hasn't come to our little piece. And so we find ourselves really dealing with that a lot because we're a, we're already isolated and B now we're isolated more. So that's what I think is different is that the news doesn't always portray that every district's doing a little bit different for different reasons. Yeah. And you have to, I mean, every di district is different. We're all dealing with the same thing, but the impact, um, is certainly different district to district. And we've heard a lot of folks mention, you know, we're, we're concerned mostly about making connections and the health and, and yeah, I mean, everybody's doing things, um, things a little bit, a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like preparing uh, and planning um, as we come to the end of a, what has been a very unique for lack of a better term uh, school year. Um, and of course, we're, we're, you know, from an elevation standpoint here in the ELL community, we're framing things mostly around English learners, but I'm curious about sort of everything. But how are you planning for, for summer and the next school year 
um, given all of the challenges that we have in terms of you know learning loss, mitigating that, maybe budget issues and things like that, what's sort of top of mind right now as you think about the next school year? Um, top of my mind right now is really making sure that I'm getting all kids connected while we're in this transition phase. And so out here, we've got every, we are one-to-one -one districts. Every kid has a device. Mm -hmm. What every kid doesn't have is internet. So we are desperately trying to get hold of hotspots and some other pieces. And so we've had kind of a hybrid model going, right? If you can be online, we've got some stuff for you. If you can't, we have some stuff for you. Um, but going forward, my number one thing is if we're going to do this with any kind of quality, I need to make sure that I can access kids um, through the internet. So that's going to be my first one. And the whole piece behind that is I've got to meet kids where they're at and they're living in the digital environment anyway. So along with that comes PD needs because I need teachers now that have the skills to reach out and get into the kids' homes. So I don't want um, you know anybody just going on Zoom and droning on for an hour. I want people that actually get on there and provide the engaging lessons that actually have the kids log in for the next one. Because I think that's the key. If we kill them the first time, they're not logging in the second time. Right. So getting teachers to get out of their comfort zone. I've been talking a lot about ZPD, the zone of proximal development. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'm talking about it for the teachers. Sure, right? yeah. Kids, yeah, yeah. Kids know how to use the technology. <laughs> right. Now I need to get the teachers putting stuff out that the kids are willing to watch. Because it's hard to compete with TikTok and YouTube and a lot of the other formats that kids like to use. So now just trying to kind of change that mindset so that we can reach them should this become our way of life for a while. Right. And there's two layers, it seems like here, or two, I guess, general layers. One is the connectedness, as you said, everybody has a device or a one-to-one -one district, which is great, but not everybody is connected. But then even when they are connected, it's the PD. And I think you know, it sounds like you're sort of working with those in tandem where you're trying to get folks connected, but you're, while you're also thinking about or trying to move forward with PD so that when that happens, um, people are ready. Am I right when I say that? Exactly, exactly. And so what I've been telling my staff is every step that we take now should be with the broader lens of we might be doing this in the fall. Right. So we need to be ready now, like every little step now, so we can be patient while people are learning to do things. But in the fall, we need to be able to hit the ground running. Yeah. So that's been a key piece of it, even in our, you know, our memorandums of understandings with the teachers union, right? We're building in, okay, you need to do so many videos and you need to spend so much time because if that's going to become our reality, we need to get into that mode. And it's, it's been hard for some, especially, you know, teachers that don't enjoy the use of technology as much as others. Yeah. And it's fair to say that they're just, you know, just because you don't enjoy the use of technology, that you're not a high quality teacher, but now you're forced to, to, to work outside of your element. Um, and that's tricky. Um, and, you know, you also bring, need to bring in those kind of for lack of a better term, analog, you know, less digital activities on an online format. How do you go about doing that? I mean, it's, it's, it's tough, but it sounds like those are, you're sort of planning for it at all levels at the, at the very ground teacher level to, you know, you mentioned um, making sure that that's uh, at a high level with teacher, you know, union um, representation and things like that, which is important as well. Right. Right. How, so how, shifting over to like specifically um, English learner education, mm -hmm. um, you know, are you at the point now where you're kind of like trying to evaluate your needs or are you not there yet? And if you're not, you know, how do you think you'll go about doing that just in terms of how you will invest in, in EL education moving forward? Is it going to look different? Is it going to look similar? What are you thinking there? We're thinking it absolutely has to look different because it heads into a different piece, which is I can put out all kinds of videos about, you know, learning English and practicing English, 
but it doesn't give the kids that one-on-one -on -one contact that they need because we, you know, it starts with listening and speaking, right? right? Listening and speaking, you move into reading, then writing. And so if they don't have those speaking opportunities or if they're allowed to just listen passively, we're not going to be able to develop language. So I think the key for this one is going to be, okay, now we've got kids on the internet. Now we need to have, you know, applications or whatever it is that allow us to actually work one-on-one -on -one with our English learners, um, or at least in small groups, mm -hmm. as, you know, depending on the different kinds of support that they need. And that's going to be kind of a different level for us because that is actual, like, interaction with the, with the student as opposed to just preparing the lesson. So we're exploring, like, how do we use our instructional aids now? Right. How do we use other support staff so that we can get kids enough time to practice their language? Because if you get on a Zoom, you know, with 10 kids, is that going to be enough time? Right. And that's assuming that in the fall, there's going to be time to talk to just 10 kids. Right. So we're looking at what are who are the other people, the other stakeholders that we can bring in to give that oral practice and make sure that it's you know appropriate for their level and their developmental needs. So trying to bring in people who are already kind of at the district, who you already just kind of reassigning or re maybe reassigning is not the right word, but sort of recalibrating about what needs are and, and you're not talking about bringing new people in necessarily. Um, not necessarily new people. We have a great program in our elementary called SEAL. And I know they hate being called a program, but it is a method of um, engaging in language acquisition for our kids. And it, like I said, we've had it for TK through fifth grade for several years now. So I have trained coaches. I have teachers that have had extensive training. We're starting to see our test scores move, you know, using this um, training and skills with the students. But how do we bring that, like I say, to a screen? And that's right. going to be our work. And I, I do want to use the people that have the training that have been in our classrooms because I think they'll understand what it is that we're looking for. But looking at budget outlook, because you mentioned that, of I course. may not have any money to bring anybody in. And that's the scary part. They're talking about having a working budget right now. And if that's our workload budget, and if we're down to that, we're going to be cut to the bare bones. And I'm just going to have to figure out what to do with my existing staff. Right. Yeah. And that's where it comes to making some hard decisions and figuring out, you know, yeah, how to, how to use people in the appropriate ways. And, right. and it's, you just, you can't create more time and you can't create more money, um, which is, which is what makes things tricky. And that being said, you know, there's your role, which I'm sure has changed day to day now, and maybe <laughs> will be moving forward. How do you anticipate you sort of your role changing, moving forward as superintendent and, and also the role of those teachers sort of supporting um, English learners, if you can get into that. And you talked a little bit about it. Sure. I see my role changing in that usually I'm the public figure, right? I'm at every event. I'm out there making sure that, you know, I'm, I'm shaking hands and talking to parents and people know me. And now I can't do that. So I've had to change my role to I'm making videos for parents. I'm, you know, reading books to kids, you know, in English and Spanish. Like I'm finding other ways to put my work out there. But it's very different leading from your kitchen table than it is, like, say, physically being out there and leading the charge. Mm -hmm. So getting other people um, to do it, I mean, it's hard to judge facial expressions. It's hard to judge body language. It's hard to judge a lot of things when you're looking at a little tiny square on a Zoom meeting. So my efforts are going to be, one, to try and keep that person-to-person -person connection as much as possible, even though a lot of that connection is going to be electronic whether it's with, you know, the family, the community, the students, um, that's going to be a huge key. And that's going to be hard to do because when you show up at a city council meeting, 
in person to speak, that's way different than if you're a little square on their screen. Right. So that's going to be a big change. I think the way that we work with our English learners, it's going to be all that harder for us because, like I say, we have the devices, we're going to get the connectivity going, but then we're also working with a lot of um, parents who work in the fields and agriculture, and they may not necessarily have the tech know-how to support the kids while they're at home. And so we are working on setting up like our counselors to set up trainings for parents because we send home technology, we put up links for kids to access, but what about the parents that don't know how to help their kid do that? Right. So for example, our, our little TKs and kindergartners, we just put out all of our iPads that were in classrooms last week. We put them out into all the homes. But now we've got the phone ringing off the hook with parents that don't know how to use it. Mm-hmm. So that's a hole that we're trying to figure out how to, how to fix right now. So I think the biggest part with the ELs is making sure that the parents as partners um, are also feeling well-trained and supported. If they can at least figure out how to get to website, how to click on the links, the kids should be able to go from there. But what do you do if it won't turn on? You know, what do you do if we've lost the charger? So um, that's really going to be our next really big piece is we can push stuff out, right? But how do we make sure that all of our families, not just our English learners, but how are all of our families making sure the kids are getting online and taking advantage of what we have to offer? And that's really going to take the parents being involved. So I see that part changing. Yeah, and it's interesting. Family engagement obviously has always been important, but there's a huge focus on it now. Almost everybody I speak with brings up family engagement. And now it's family engagement with technology. So you have like the instructional design piece where maybe you have a tech integrator or somebody who's, you know, who's helping teachers uh, who are content experts relay their content online. Mm-hmm. But now you, or not but, and now you also have to bring in the families to be able to actually give the students access to it. So it's a whole other element. Um, I think that kind of leads me to the the last question I have, because while I see a huge challenge in that, I also see a lot of opportunity. Like things are happening now are uh, scary and crazy and challenging, but I can't help but think that, and this being one of them, like the formula of uh, an administrator, a teacher, a tech integrator, and a parent all working together to support their students. Mm -hmm. What, what, what is one thing, um, maybe aside from that, that I just mentioned that, that you think we're learning from this experience that we should, uh, we should not only remember when this whole thing is behind us, but that we should continue doing? That is a great question. And it's been something I've been thinking a lot about. And I would say my answer is that finally education is being forced to meet kids where they like to be. So we are very much married to this notion that you go to school for so many hours and you sit in the chair and you do what the teacher tells you and, you know, assignments are due when I want them done. And I think a lot of times with the kids, it's not about, did you learn what I wanted on my schedule? It's, did you learn it? And if it's on your schedule, that's okay. And I think that we need to be very open to the fact that we're not controlling every minute of their day. And so if this is going to become something we're doing in the future, the lesson learned here is if we're going to come into your home and we're going to provide you instruction, that instruction needs to be valuable to you. It needs to be interesting enough for you to turn us on again, because once you're at home, you could turn it on and you can walk away. Mm -hmm. Right. So I need everything that comes out to be, like I say, so highly engaging, informative and interesting the kids will keep logging on just like they do to their, like I say, their TikTok videos. And I think that's the lesson that we have to learn because I think it's been a while coming because we have been married to our paper and pencil and ringing our bells on time. And I think it's good that kids are going to have a chance 
to learn things on their own time or maybe take as much time as they need to get their learning done. Yeah, well said. I, I say, I, you know, you didn't mention the word, but certainly personalization plays a big part here in terms of, you know, figuring out what it is that makes students tick and give them an opportunity to pursue those things while also obviously accessing uh, the content and curriculum that they need to uh, access. Um, right. And for English learners, I mean, even more important, you know, when you're learning a language, you need to be interested in the things that you're working with. So hopefully some silver linings there, something to learn from. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, this is a, this is a, an opportunity for us to, uh, you know, I, 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 I sort of take issue a little bit with the with the expression of return to normal. Um, I like to look at it as let, let's reimagine, you know, reimagine what education looks like specific, specifically for English learners. I think you've given us a lot of great information about what you're doing now, both with the, with the video and the song that you created, which again, I'll link to and I encourage everybody to watch it and with um, sort of what you're seeing now versus what is being put out there. And maybe just as importantly, if not more importantly, what the future might look like. Um, so I really thank you for um, kind of going out on a limb here and, and talking with us about uh, things that really nobody has the answers to, but we're, we're coming together as a community to try to, uh, to try to get information out there. So really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And thank you for starting the conversations because they're very needed and very important. Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.